This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. When the lockdown was initially announced in March, it was stated that the homeless people would be cared for in separate designated areas. For those of us living in Joburg, this undertaking was met with cynicism that has largely been vindicated by the large number of people we see still living on the streets. For Durban, however, the situation has been quite different. For many, this has provided them with an opportunity to change their lives for the better. This is due to the incredible role that the Dennis Hurley Centre, situated in the heart of the Durban inner city, has played in caring for Durban's uh, homeless people. I'm delighted to have as my guest Mr. Raymond Perrier, the director of the Dennis Hurley Centre. Raymond, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Good morning. Lovely to be on High FM. Tell me what happened when the lockdown started in Durban and, and the path that you've taken that has been so successful? As you say, we did uh, respond and we responded quickly. I should point out it wasn't just the Dennis Hurley Centre. And that's really why we were effective, because it was a network of NGOs and government organisations working together. So in the uh, the five days between the president making the an- announcement of the initial lockdown and the start of lockdown, we managed to put together a system of emergency shelters for 1,500 homeless people in the centre of the city and a screening process to get people into those shelters. Um, this was really uh, made possible because of the, the great leadership by Belinda Scott, the deputy mayor of Etiquini, who really spearheaded this and made sure that the resources were available. So during the, uh, the, the first, what was it, eight, nine weeks of levels five and four lockdown, We had these emergency shelters operating, 1,500 people, men divided from women, and the uh, those with the highest need of care, so disabled, sick, and elderly men and women, being kept in uh, in particularly uh, uh, better quality uh, shelters. Most of the shelters, to be honest, were tents in parks. Obviously, in Durban, we don't have anything like the cold winter that you're having at the moment in Gauteng. So it was possible for, for that to work. And the key thing was that people were kept in a space where they were safe, where they didn't have to go out because they were getting food and health care. And importantly, they had lots of open air space so that they didn't go uh, go stir crazy during the during the period. It worked really well. And people people were happy, obviously not thrilled. Nobody wants to be contained any more than we all wanted to be contained in our houses during that period. But uh, but it worked. And we did keep people safe. Nobody who went into the shelters was was COVID presumptive and nobody was found to be uh, uh, positive with COVID during the period of that lockdown. Raymond, I, I read an article that appeared in the Maryland Guardian by Paddy Harper where he spoke about the, the, the different um, centres and, and he commented about the food and how good it smelt and how he wanted to stay for a meal but realised that it was the inappropriate thing to do. How has the food been organised? Well, Food is a real testament to, to Durban's interfaith uh, partnership. And it's something that we're really at the heart of at the Dennis Hurley Centre, because though we're a centre named after the Catholic Archbishop, uh, we are a place where all the faiths of Durban, including, I must stress, the Jewish community, are, are working side by side to help serve the poor. And we've been doing that for the last five years. So when we put together these emergency shelters, we realised that food was important, um, not just to stop people from being hungry, but actually people will, if they're hungry, will get irritated, will get hard to manage, will get, uh, uh, will get uh, mischievous, and, uh, and then it makes the whole, the, the whole system much harder. Uh, and we had a fantastic network. Literally at one stage, we had Christians providing breakfast, Hindus providing lunch, Muslims providing dinner, 
And uh, the Jewish club, which is right next to one of our sites, provided refreshments for all of the workers at the shelters. So a fantastic example of interfaith collaboration. And Paddy's right, the food the food really did smell excellent. Uh, Raymond, the other thing that you have been successful is in rehabilitating some of the homeless people and allowing them to go back to a family, if not a normal life. Absolutely, yes. So, so obviously the, the extended time being with individuals, uh, meant that we could get to know them and see how we could help them, uh, help them move on and help them, help them, uh, return to some degree of normality. Um, how well that worked depended obviously to a great deal on the individual, also the quality of the different site managers across the sites. Uh, but for example, at the Dennis Hurley Center, we had a hundred sick, elderly and disabled men and there are now only four left, or, uh, six left in the building. And all the rest have either gone back to families, uh, some have gone into rehab programs, uh, some uh, who are disabled have been able to use their grants to get long-term accommodation in uh, in shelters or in appropriate appropriate homes. So uh, this has actually been a, a, a unique opportunity to spend time with people, to build their trust, and to help them to uh, to access the services that they're that they're able to. Raymond, the, the proportion between men and women and helping women get back to normal life? So uh, of the 1,500 we had at the peak, uh, only 180 were women, so uh, so, so many fewer. Uh, our sense was quite a lot of women who are on the streets of Durban, to be fair, are here and engaged in sex work. Um, and our sense was quite a lot of women got out of town before the lockdown began because they realised that, uh, that their, their source of income would uh, uh, would be uh, stymied, should we say? Um, and we were able, which was a great success, to have all the women in a in a proper building, not in not in tents. Uh, curiously, there was a building that we earmarked over a year ago as a as a shelter for women and children, which belonged to the municipality. We spent a year negotiating with the municipality how to turn it into a shelter. And in the five days we had to create the emergency shelters, miraculously it came online. So, uh, and, and credit to two businesses who made that possible, FNB and Urban Lime, a, a property company run by a Jewish family, Johnny Friedman and his, and his family. They helped make the strollers building happen. And that's now continuing as a shelter for women and children. Uh, one of my, uh, one of the homeless guys who is on the Etikarini task team with me, uh, made the joke that we managed to achieve in in three days what we haven't achieved in the previous three years. Uh, the the crisis helped focus people's attention. It did it did in Durban, and the cooperation between the various organisations and interfaith groups is absolutely amazing. Uh, going forward, though, what is what will happen after lockdown? Since we've moved into that already, because uh, at level three there's no there's no uh, obligation for people to stay in the shelters, and indeed legally we can't keep them in the shelters. We can't stop people from from uh, wandering out during the day. So the the main tent shelters have become uh, a model called a safe open sleeping space. It's a model that was pioneered in Cape Town. Again, it's something we've been looking at for over a year in Durban. Finally, it's happened. Thank goodness. So it means that even if people go out during the day, they can come back at night, they're sleeping in a tent, they get breakfast in the morning, they get supper in the evening, um, and they're safe. And, and, and the, the issue of safety, I'm afraid, is not actually safety from the, from the outside world, it's safety from the police, because uh, unfortunately in the past, homeless people have, in Durban have really suffered from harassment by the police, often policies instigated by the municipality themselves. So the safe open sleeping spaces are working. About 800 people or so are now staying in those uh, each night. Uh, as I say, the women are still in the women's shelter. 
and a lot of people have reconnected, reconnected with their families. But the real challenge that we have in Durban is that most people who are homeless here are homeless because they came to the city looking for work and they couldn't find work. And the only way to help people stop being homeless is to get them into, into some kind of sustainable, sustainable uh, uh, source of income. So that's why projects like our, 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 our award-winning program of homeless people selling secondhand books on the streets uh, are so important because it means that people not only have a stream of income, but also they have the dignity that comes from work and from being able to, to earn their own living. Uh, let's talk about drugs for one second, because I understand it is an associated problem with homelessness. Uh, are you helping people to kick habits? And how hard is of it? Of course. The, of course, there is a high level of addiction uh, among the homeless, and and anybody who's listening who is a who is a smoker and has uh, and has uh, struggled since uh, March the 27th will completely empathise with the homeless guys who are suddenly locked into into emergency shelters and can't access their uh, their uh, drug of choice. Um, roughly speaking, I think we've seen three different uh, responses. There are some people who who actually have used this as an opportunity to clean up. They've not been able to access their drugs. Uh, it's that they've gone through some withdrawal, but they've got through that and now they're clean and they're saying this is fantastic. This is this has actually helped me change my life. So there are some people who've needed more support and we've been able to get some people into the Napier Center for Healing. That's our, our sister organization that provides a long term drug rehabilitation program. Sadly, it's only only hosts of a few people and is a very expensive project. But it does mean that homeless people are getting access to the highest quality of, of rehab program. And then the third response, which has been led by, uh, by DUT, the Durban University of Technology and the Urban Future Center there is a methadone program. So methadone is a substitute for the opiates, uh, the, uh, the heroin. And in some cases providing a, a substitute. So at least it's a, it's a clean and safe alternative to the opiate. And that's a program which, uh, which has been working for, for some people during the, during the, the strict lockdown and has continued now into level three. Raymond, it's absolutely incredible. Do you think you could come to Joburg and replicate it here because the need is so great? Except that I should point out, we did a survey of the homeless in Durban a few years ago with the Human Science Research Council. And anyone who comes to Durban always comments on how many homeless people there are because they see them on the streets and so on. And we counted 4,000 homeless people in central Durban. That's a huge number, but we're a city of three and a half million people. So as a proportion of the size of the city, it's actually a small and it's a manageable number. And I think uh, one of the challenges of homelessness is people see it as an overwhelming problem. It's not overwhelming in terms of, of statistics. It, it's manageable. Um, and, uh, and it's manageable if you engage with the homeless community and, and, and work with them and learn from them. And sadly, a number of cities, Cape Town perhaps being the worst example, have seen this as an opportunity to to bully homeless people, to tell them what to do, rather than to understand uh, how they live and and what they need in life and and work with them. And I think that's been part of our success, that we have homeless people who are guiding us in how we respond. You you, you can't help people if you don't understand how their lives work. That's exactly it. I wonder how much research has been done on homeless people and whether your centre has research that they can share broadly, because I think so little is known about them and how they live. A couple of things I could point people to, and they're both available for, on our website. So, so this research we did with the Human Science Research Council was a really thorough investigation, not just 
of the numbers of homeless people, but uh, information about their ages and their educational background and their uh, and their history and why they became homeless and what would stop them being homeless and so on and so forth. Really, really thorough, thorough research. Uh, that, that, that's great for the for, for the data geeks, for people who want a perhaps a more accessible way of understanding. We've got some wonderful uh, profiles on our on our website. It's a project we did with the Daily Maverick called Homeless 101. And there you can read about individual homeless people telling their stories and their stories are a good proxy for the stories that we hear uh, every day. There is the uh, uh, the young man with a learning disability who arrived in the city and really struggled. And as we've now got him into some some appropriate work. Uh, one of our booksellers talking about how selling books has turn, to, turned his life around. A young woman who uh, suffered from TB and uh, and thanks to our clinic, we managed to get her on and sustain her on a, a TB medication program, and she's now back reunited with her family. And it's when you read those stories and see those, see those faces that you get a sense of the reality of the uh, often young men and women who make up our, our homeless community, and that they could be your brother, your sister, your cousin, your neighbor. They're, 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 they're not alien beings. Um, and I think once we, once we recognize these are people who happen to be homeless, then that makes a big difference to how we respond to them. And the compassion and the willingness to help, I think, is really what's lacking here that you have. So, um, Raymond, thank you so much for joining us and well done on this great initiative. I know my colleague Mary Cook said that the Jewish Board in Durban will be feeding for the month of July. So I'm proud that we're part of this initiative and just keep up the amazing work that you do do. Thank you so much. Fantastic. And there, and there are, I should say, there are great people in Joburg doing great work. Unfortunately, it's less well coordinated and the support from, from local government isn't, isn't, uh, isn't what it could be. We'll have to leave it there. <laughs> Thanks Raymond, much. thank you so Take much care. for having me. That was Bye. Raymond Ferry. Um, he's the director of the Dennis Hurley Centre in Durban, telling us more about the amazing work that they're doing for the homeless people there.